Welcome to the Two Northern Lasses podcast with host Michelle Cowan and guest brought to you by Absolute Media UK Limited. Huddersfield's perfect podcast production pit. Hello, Trina. How are you? Hi, Michelle. Good, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, just for our listeners, it's the 28th of June today. I'm not quite sure when this episode's going to go out, but um, I'm looking out of my window and it's blooming horrible outside. And I can see from your window that it looks like it's really sunny where you are. It is. It is really sunny. It wasn't this morning, but it's come out this afternoon. And actually, yeah, because it, it, I think it forecasts rain. Well, I mean, yeah. when doesn't it forecast rain? But yeah, so we're, we're in the midst of summer and uh, and I'm sat here with maybe thick cardigan on. <laughs> but anyway, and, and we're both in Yorkshire. So I'm in West Yorkshire and you're in North Yorkshire, but you're not originally from uh, Yorkshire, are you? But we'll get on to that. And so I'll formally introduce you. I've got Trina Scott Priestley with me and she is the co-founder and CEO of a business called NCM and we actually met about 16 months ago when we were both on a program in in Leeds called Pitchfest. When I say program I don't mean a TV program I mean a, what what is it it's a kind it was like a series of events that we both participated in when we were looking for funding for for our respective businesses um so yeah so and it's taken a long time coming because we did actually talk about it way back then oh you must come on the podcast and now we are what 18 months later and you're here now so that was pre-covid life or it was just just starting to rouse his head wasn't it then yeah yeah in fact i think we missed the final didn't we because of um the last we we missed the last date because of of COVID I think the last meeting I went to a lot of people didn't turn up because they were a bit unsure about whether to travel and things but yeah I I didn't I didn't go to some of the last ones because it was that train commute and I was thinking oh if I go what's going to happen it was just yeah it was that funny time wasn't it when it was all yeah yeah anyway listen I've um I've been um I'm looking on your LinkedIn profile this morning because I like to sort of work out how I'm going to introduce somebody and stuff like that so I was having a nosy around and and I noticed that you went to Hull University and and you reminded me that we've had this conversation before because I went to the to what was the polytechnic next door which then became the University of Humberside but it is now part of the University of Hull so I could kind of make it up and say that I went to the University of Hull but um but I didn't um and I think we were there at different times I finished in I finished in 91 yeah yeah I was a bit later than you 2002 I think I finished so that's a it feels like a lifetime ago doesn't it it does it does I know it's like um yeah well what will it be nearly 20 years next year since I left yeah oh well it's longer than that when I was (laughs) (laughs) let's Let's not go there (laughs) yeah um but you're not originally from Yorkshire are you from Cheshire uh, yes, I'm from Cheshire originally, um, and but my my dad actually grew up in Hull, um, so I have got yeah um, yeah Yorkshire connections. Um, my grandma lived over um, by the coast in Bridlington, so I'd spent quite a lot of time sort of around and about. But um, yeah, I lived in 
well, in a really small place called Bickley, which is near a place called um, Chumley, which anybody who's ever been to Chumley, uh, there's a castle there. And there's a very good pub called the Chumley Arms and everyone calls it Cholmondeli because <laughs> of the way it's spelt. So it's quite funny. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up there. And did you <clears throat> did you decide to go to Hull Uni because of your connections over there or was that totally random? No, it was pretty random. I So I wanted to go to university, but no one in my family had been to university or anything. So... You know, my my parents were supportive, but, you know, they didn't really understand the process or anything. And I wanted to go and do geography because I really like geography. And um, but I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go. And anyway, you know, you had to put I can't remember how many places it was on your UCAS form. And so I put a few down and I can't even remember what they were. And I remember Newcastle was on there and Bristol and a few a few um you know really good um universities and then I was trying to fill up my UCAS form and I remember being sat in the sick form common room and god this is not advice a, a younger person should ever listen to but um a friend had I think she'd already been and viewed Hull University and she'd said how lovely it was and I thought oh, brilliant, I'll stick that on for that as my um uh, fill up my UCAS form and so it went off. And I, I mean, I even remember sitting with a friend in the library at school and she was like, Hull or Newcastle? Hull or Newcastle? And I was like, well, you know, quite like Hull, you know. And I, I went and had a look and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. And I just didn't have the same pull for any of the other places that I went to visit, which I don't know if that was because, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. It's my dad had been there. I don't know, but. I mean, I, I loved my time in Hull. I loved being a student there. It was a, a great place to be a student. And I mean, I, I did the, the UCAS forms and then didn't get the results I wanted. So I went through clearing and I can remember, remember being on the phone to clearing and um, they sort of said to me, oh, what about Hull? And I said, oh, how far is it? And it's like, oh, it's about 70 miles. Oh yeah, okay, that'll do. <laughs> and that's how I ended up there. I'd never actually been to Hull before the day that I moved to live there really yeah I mean I just really like the campus feel of it and I think that that's what drew me to Hull over some of the other sort of city based um yeah. universities that I liked that and because I was the from the countryside so I quite like the greenery and everything that was around there so yeah, yeah lovely time. campus yeah so I'm interested in sort of understanding where you came how you came from you graduated with a, a degree in accountancy and finance and you've now got your own business so what what's the middle bit well I mean it's a bit of a strange one really because even so I, I think I just said before that so I really wanted to go and study geography and my dad said to me well, what are you can do the geography degree well I didn't have a clue what I was going to do with a geography degree or whatever degree um but he you know felt like I should go and do something that would lead on to a job more straightforwardly and um I just remember talking to my stepmom and my brother at the time and anyway I think they threw in marketing and accounting and I thought that sounds all right yeah go and do accounting and so I went and did accounting which was um a challenge because I did biology geography and German A-level so I had no, absolutely no 
foundation for it at all. So it was a pretty steep learning curve, to be honest, because a lot of people that I studied with had done, you know, business studies or maths and had done even accounting. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, I completed my degree and I did, I came out, you know, I did really well. And then it was like, what next? And I wanted to go traveling. And again, my dad said, well, you need a job to come back to. So it was, you know, whilst I hadn't enjoyed my accounting um, uh, degree, I'd done well in it. And so it seemed like the sensible thing to do or probably the easy thing to do, if I'm honest, um, to go and get an accounting, uh, like a training contract, which is a three year contract to train and become an accountant in one of the accountancy firms, which is what I did. Um, which, again, didn't set my world on fire. <laughs> But I did it and I got my qualifications and then oh, I needed to change. I just, yeah, I need to get out of the accountancy world. But obviously it's not that easy once you've got your qualification and your salary goes up. And so I, at the time, I was um, doing in a long distance relationship with the, the person who is now my husband. And I was sort of looking for jobs and I ended up, I thought, well, if I can get into... In, into um industry so you know take an accountancy role or whatever in a business and I might be able to move into marketing or something else outside of accounting and so I ended up um moving to Hewlett-Packard and I worked there for about about 12 years um which was a great time you know I had a, a, in fact a, about 10 years of that was spent working from home which I know everyone's got used to that and adapted to that over the last sort of 12 or 18 months but it was something that you know not many people were doing back then um and you know so I had great on paper it was great I had a good career I worked with brilliant people I was given loads of opportunities I was given flexible working while I had you know I've got two children and so while I went through those times of having children and um returning to work and then having another and you know um so I yeah I had everything on paper really um, I worked from home so I had a lot of flexibility and every time I sort of said something about my role some you know my my managers and my directors were great and would sort of work something new out to try and keep me interested or give me a new opportunity but along for many years I had this um I guess desire dream whatever you want to call it um to I could just see what was happening with the online world and how it was bringing so many advantages and so many benefits to businesses that were growing, you know, through um, the online world. And one of the things that I was particularly drawn to, and I think it was because, um, <laughs> I don't know what it was. So we got married. So we had a wedding list. And shortly after that, we had our first, well, our daughter, our first child, and it was her first birthday and she got three pink identical rocking horses for her birthday. Well, anybody that has a child knows that their house gets absolutely overtaken with plastic. When yeah. they're little. You remember? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was really from that. And I just thought, God, all this waste, you know, and it, it just I felt so. 
yeah, I don't know. I just felt it there had to be a better way in a world where there was all this technology and um, you know, and I just felt that people spent, you know, hard-earned money, you know, and they were they were the perfect gift, you know, but we just didn't need three of them. Mm. Um and from there I basically had this idea which was to develop a um a wish list or a gift list that you could use for anything for you know for any occasion, be it weddings, birthdays, Christmases, etc. Um, and so I kept, you know, having this idea and, you know, it was just like, yeah, yeah, it's, there's nothing really out there like that. Um, you know, wedding lists were obviously quite, um, you know, a popular um, thing, that, you know, a lot of people that get married use. And so I had this, um, yeah, for years and years and years, and any of my friends will tell you that they've probably got sick of hearing me talk about, oh, you know, I just think that, you know, there should be this universal uh, gift list. And then, as I started to think about it more, it was like, well, actually, well, like there's the wish list that we, that were becoming really popular features on e-commerce sites. Mm. And again, great for the big businesses, but for small niche retailers, well, wish lists just aren't that effective yet. They can increase, you know, um, sales by up to 20%. So there was all of this sort of going around in my head for years. And I got to a point in my career where I was just, you know, you know, I'd spent years doing this, not the same thing, but just, you know, I, it didn't set my world on fire accounting. And, um, you know, I I'd sort of had moved into more of a consultancy role. Um, and I just thought, oh, there's got to be more to this. I, you know, I just feel like, I didn't feel like I was doing what I should be doing in life. And I thought, well, you know, it's now or never really, you know, why not just give it a go? What's the worst that can happen? And at the time, my um, the business unit that I was working in had been taken over by another company and a lot of the culture had changed. And so I spent about a year and a half begging for redundancy, which sounds just completely crazy to most people. But I knew that I, I needed to leave. And, you know, if I could leave with a redundancy, then that would obviously help me in terms of setting up a business on my own. And that was basically what happened. I, it eventually happened. Um, I remember getting the call from my manager and saying, her saying, I think we can do it. You know, I think we can make you redundant. And I had that moment of excitement and elation. And then that moment of like, oh, shit, what have I done? <laughs> you know, like it was literally equal measure of, yeah, joy and terror in the same, in the same uh, minute, probably. Um, but yeah. yeah, and then that was it. I just thought I'm going to, yeah. And so I left a couple of months later and started to figure out how I was going to try and create what I had in my head. <laughs> and that was it. I, I know that feeling though. I mean, I um, I left my job at Cisco and um, you think, what's the worst can happen? I mean, it's great if you can leave with the package, but you know, if you've worked for a big corporate like HP or Cisco, you know, you've got transferable skills and, you know, there are other corporates out there that would take you at the drop of a hat. So I always had that in, the, in my back pocket. I just got to a point where I just thought, there's no way I'm going back. You know, yeah. not because I didn't like my time at Cisco. It's just that it was a different time and you move on and and that was then. And yeah, it was great, but it's time for something new now. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, I'd, my children were at that age where that, you know, I, they, you know, they were both at school and 
I don't know, I think life just goes through periods of transition, doesn't it? And, yeah. you know, and different things you kind of want to, you know, and I think it's very easy, you know, I, I because I'd been at HP for so long and they'd been so good to me and I, um, you know, you think, well, at what point do I stop doing this? Am I going to, you know, at some point you have to take the leap to leave whatever that is and and that's always going going into the unknown um you know otherwise I'll be there till I retired which I knew I didn't want to do so yeah I know it's like when you've got that nagging feeling in like you had your idea and the dream and you were trying to pull it all together and create something and it's like an itch that needs scratching and you've just got to do it yeah. And, you know, I spoke, to, I remember, you know, I obviously spoke to lots of friends at the time. And I remember one friend in particular who had, you know, he'd been through a similar sort of transition in terms of leaving a big corporate and setting up business on his own. And um, and I just remember he said to me, well, you know, whatever happens, you'll be a richer person for it because of the people you'll meet, the experiences you'll have and the things you'll learn along the way. Um, and, it, and he said, you know, it probably won't end up being what you think it will be or thought it would be, um, you know, and that, you know, one thing will probably open another door and it'll lead on to something else. And and it's it's so true. Yeah. I and mean, that is sort of what's happened. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think that there comes a point in your life where you sort of need more fulfillment than financial security at a time and then you want the financial security back <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I totally agree with you so moving on to where you are today which is in CM and um I would describe it as a and you can tell me if I'm wrong here a, a, a kind of highly curated uh, online retail for independent British brands but I would also add that this an element of quality around that it's you know you can tell that you've handpicked the brands because it all just looks lovely I you know my initial thoughts on your website when you get on there you just think oh this is a nice place to be I'm just going to have a look around and of course I was preparing for this so I was like right okay let me see what I can find I found some gorgeous silk pajamas so if Clive's <laughs> listening he needs to go and have a look um there was a coffee and chocolate box gift box which I thought would make a really beautiful gift for somebody who likes both chocolate and coffee it's like what do you buy the person that's got everything that would yeah. be kind of like that I saw a really nice um aqua dress ring which I normally wear a a, a blue topaz ring I'm, I'm not wearing it at the moment but I normally wear it and I just love that the coloured stones Stuff. So I was really attracted to that. But more importantly, the price point, I thought, gosh, that's really reasonable. And then I was looking through the kind of baby section and found this pillow spray. Um, what was it called? I've written it down. Rainbow Dream Spray, which you spray on the pillow so that the little ones can get to sleep easier. And I just thought, again, you know, what a lovely gift, not particularly for the baby, but for mum. <laughs> yeah so, uh, you get some sleep <laughs> so yeah so I could have bought all sorts and that's just me spending 10 minutes just looking around it's it was like it felt like I'd walked into one of those really kind of nice boutiques that had got a bit of everything and I was just sort of 
mooching around, taking my time and looking at yeah. the packaging. Yeah, and it's that, it's exactly that that we want to create because <clears throat> so in CM, you're a bit like what I was just saying before about my friend about, you know, how he'd said one door will open a door to another thing and it won't necessarily end up looking like what you started out with. And that's sort of what's happened, exactly what's happened with me, because when I, you know, set up my first business, it was um, a universal wish list um, and gift list service, you know, which is obviously all tech based, which is high investment, you know, loads of money. It's like all the technology that we all use every day has is like billions and billions and billions of pounds to create that. So trying to build any kind of um, purely tech product it does involve a lot of money and so I created a you know really you know MVP so minimal viable product for that and then through that um it was really when COVID happened that you know I had a platform that you know needed more investment you know investment talks had all sort of gone on hold because of what was going on in the world and everyone was dealing with their own crisis and problem at the time and I had the platform which I just thought right well what what can I do with what's going on in the world at the moment and I could see obviously you know there was all the panic that everyone was going through and there were a lot of um businesses retailers that were thrown into the online world so people that you know had shops that couldn't open that had um predominantly got their income from fairs and events that they would sell at and I used the platform and I thought, right, well, actually I can use the platform just because of the way it was built, even though it wasn't built for this purpose, to bring lots of people together so people could discover and shop those independent businesses. And so that's what we did. And through that, really, you know, I saw retailers that are desperately looking for ways to be more visible, to find more customers and obviously to make more sales we've then got customers that are desperately trying to do that, you know, and particularly through the last 15 months, there's, you know, much more focus on people being more mindful of where they're shopping, who they're supporting when they're spending their money. Um, but ultimately people are driven by convenience. And it was just this whole thing of the pop-up, you know, and there was a lot of pop-up directories and things like that going on at the time and still are now. And, you know, with great success, but, I guess I always see things bigger <laughs> and I always think, well, you know, what's really going to make a difference here. And it was that marketplace world. Um, and I remember just before COVID, I'd been to a retail seminar um, held by Deloitte. And they, uh, there was just one thing that stuck in my head at the time, which I did, I just thought was an interesting point which was that the only growing area of retail were marketplaces and that marketplaces were going to become more and more important in e-commerce, you know, as e-commerce was always forecast. And obviously has, we've leapt forward about five years in the last 12 months with everything that's happened. But, you know, that growth and, you know, and predicted growth and, you know, for the foreseeable future. And so it was all of these things that I was thinking, well, you know, why is there not a, like, a real good go-to destination to discover brilliant British brands that, you know, you know you're getting good quality, you know that you're buying something from a British business, not just one that looks British, 
and then actually it takes however many weeks to come because actually you know it's it's based in China and it's shipping over from there um and yeah and just that whole nice shopping experience so the the feeling of you know when you go on to a site like John Lewis you know it's that kind of feel in terms of the shopping experience is a really nice consumer journey but actually it's supporting you know we want to support hundreds thousands of independent businesses and not just in terms of helping them find customers we want that to be of benefit to the businesses as well so we are not some of the marketplaces out there do charge very high commissions which you know they're well established they can't do that and grow as well and so that was what our focus was really in terms of creating a really nice shopping experience like you said that you go in you it's a place you want to be it's a place that you're going to find new things that you wouldn't necessarily have come across on other places and um, you know and also one of our things is that we really want to build as we grow and you know we attract more and more businesses to it we want to enable people that want to shop local but also want the convenience of online to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that's something that we want to really bring together, really, this shop local online idea as well. So, you know, if you, just because, you know, you can't in your local economy. Yeah, no, I, I think you're definitely onto something and I think it's great and I uh, wish you the biggest success and uh, I'll definitely be going on and uh, having a nosy for, for my gift ideas I've definitely seen some stuff for, for some of the people that I want to buy for so uh, so yeah and we will put yeah. um the link in the show notes if anybody wants to have a nosy on the on the marketplace and we'll put all the links on there and then people can go to them so it's been lovely to talk to you but we're now at the part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you some random questions uh taken from this pack of cards but normally if you were with me you would have picked the cards out and um and picked your own questions but you're just gonna have to trust me so uh, <laughs> if I, I shuffle them and you tell them when to stop I'll pick one out <laughs> okay so if you dropped everything and went on a road trip where would you go? Oh, interesting. Well, obviously this is assuming there's no quarantine or anything like that and that you can just go with complete freedom like we used to take for granted. Um, so I think it would be to Canada. So, yeah, I would say either, New well, New Zealand or Canada. New Zealand because um, I've been there before. My husband spent a lot of time there. Um, we had a great trip there together and we've always said we'd like to take the children there um, and said so that would be great. But then Canada is somewhere that I have never been, but I would love to go. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of, to be fair, they're the two places on my, yeah, we're going to do these big, amazing trips with the children at some point when we're allowed <laughs> yeah well I, I've been to both but I've spent uh, we did a month as a family in in New Zealand um four and a half years ago and that holiday was a catalyst for me deciding to leave my corporate career oh really so uh, yeah so I, we were on the holiday and I just I'd never kind of had that time before 
I'd not had a month with my husband and the kids without working. So, yeah, it just, uh, it gave me the space to sort of think about things and it, and it definitely did make me think. I was like, okay, there's definitely another way of doing this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, next Good, good taste. <laughs> right, it's like that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm shuffling now, so tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. If a movie was made about your life, which celebrity would play you? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, I know who I'd like because, and this is quite an interesting one. I, mean, I don't, only, so friends that have known me for a long time, like when I was younger, <laughs> um, I used to get told that I looked like Jennifer Aniston a bit, which I do not think at all, but you I do. wish that I did. You do. <laughs> and I was literally, if you hadn't have said that, it was at the tip of my tongue. I was thinking she's got to have <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. Oh, that's so funny because, yeah, I went through, I mean, it was when I was, yeah, younger, slimmer, less wrinkly. Yeah, just generally life was kinder to me back then. Um, but I remember I used to get told it quite a lot and I did. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong because I'd love to look like Jennifer Aniston. But um, yeah, unfortunately, probably like her ugly, ugly sister. No, you do, you do um, look like was, her, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but there was one point when we were in, I was in Dubai when I was with HP and... Um, this this guy literally said to me you look really like Jennifer Aniston and I remember there was with this friend and I was just like went so red I was just like <gasps> so yeah so probably her I mean I wouldn't would that just be take the compliment because you know yeah. it could be a lot worse <laughs> I know I know I know I mean I'm not complaining I just wish yeah wish I could agree <laughs> Yeah, you do look like her. Well, we'll put some pictures on social and we'll get everybody to vote on whether they think you look like her. So um, the final shuffle. Yeah. Stop. Okay. What did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Oh, when I was 10 years old. I do you know I don't I don't know if I even knew what I wanted to be at 10 years old. Well, mine was either a hairdresser or a nurse. How was it? Mine was probably a vet. Or it could have been a solicitor because then when I was, maybe it was a solicitor because when I was about 14, 15 at school, I remember we did work experience. I don't know if you remember doing that at all. Did you do that? Um, yeah, and I did that as solicitor. So maybe it was that. Um, I went through a period of really wishing that I'd been a weather lady though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've never been I but you know what it was one thing that I really wished that I'd had like you know a real kind of like passion and a real like drive for something really kind of like you know when you're young when people are asking you so yeah yeah we've we've had just probably one guest on the podcast that is still doing what he dreamt of doing so he he's a professional rugby player it was Danny Brough and right from being little he knew he wanted to be a professional rugby player and he's never never wavered I think that's amazing to have that like passion yeah you know right that you just know I just think yeah everyone wants that they don't know but yeah 
Yeah. Good. Well, it's been brilliant to talk to you, Trina. Um, lovely catch up. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you. No, it's been really nice chatting to you. And yeah, it's brought back lots of memories about um, Hull. <laughs> Good. Right. See you soon. Great to talk to you. Thank you for listening. If you like our podcasts, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. If you would like to sponsor a future episode, then please get in touch through social media.